five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was the Ides of March <clears throat> with Vehicle. Great God in heaven, you know I love you, yeah. Jasper, I love you. Even though you puked all over the set yesterday, you're back. That's dedication. That is true dedication. Oh, it's playing again. That's the live version. Give me one second. Many years later. That was kind of a weird video, wasn't it? You had the Ides of March. I think they're from Chicago. Where are they from? I think they're from Chicago. It was back when um, these brass horn bands, the Ides of March... Band. Let's see if I can. They're from Berwyn, Illinois. I think they're still around. I think they're getting a lot of uh, mileage out of that vehicle. The Ides of March is an American rock band that had major U.S. and minor U.K. hit with the song "Vehicle" in 1970. After going on hiatus in 1973. The band returned with their original lineup in 1990 and has been active since then. The Ides of March began in Berwyn, Illinois, a near western suburb of Chicago on October 16, 1964, as a four-piece band called the Shondells. Their first record, Like It or Lump It, was released on their own Epitome record label in 1965. That's pretty adventurous. They started their own label. In 1966, after changing their name to the Ides of March, a name suggested by bassist Bob Berglund after reading Shakespeare's Julius Caesar in high school, the band released their first single on Parrot Records, You Wouldn't Listen. The song reached number seven on the WLS Chicago, uh, Chicago on June 17, 1966, and number 42 on the Hot 100, on the 23rd through the 30th of July in 1966, this record and its follow-ups, all pre-vehicle, have been re-released on the Sunday's record CD, Ideology. In early 1967, trumpeter Steve Daniels was added. He was succeeded in late 1969 by two horn players, John Larson and Chuck Sumar, with Berglund often doubled up on tenor saxophone. 
Having secured a recording contract with Warner Brothers in 1970, the band released the track Vehicle, which allegedly became the fastest selling single in Warner's history. 14 seconds of the completed vehicle master tape, primarily guitar solo, was, were accidentally erased in the studio. The missing section was spliced from a previously discarded take. The song reached number two in the Billboard Hot 100, number six on the corresponding cash box listings. It sold over 1 million copies and was awarded a gold disc in November 1972. Following the album, Vehicle reached number 55 nationally. The band toured extensively in 1970 in support of many top backs, including Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Led Zeppelin. The Ides of March were also among the participants in the Festival Express train tour documented in the 2003 film, although they were not featured in the film. It's a good movie. If you want to watch a rock and roll movie, uh, Festival Express is pretty good. It's this weird, it's this weird little movie. Well, it's the whole project is weird because it was a Canadian promoter who had this idea of taking all these very well-known rock and rollers and sticking them on a train and traveling through Canada and stopping along the way in various cities to do these concerts. And uh, they, they filmed all this footage. And then in 2003, they were able to put it together. It's a very entertaining movie. And you have, who's in there? Uh, Janis Joplin's in there. Um, the band is in there. Is, is Joni Mitchell in there? She might be in there. It's a lot of pretty well-known people. Um, Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy is great in that movie. There's a group called Mashmacon, which is a Canadian group, like a kind of a weird power trio, like the precursor of the power trio. Canada's big on the power trio, aren't they? Rush, isn't that a, they're a power trio. I think the band Triumph, also from Canada, another power... Canada is like to the home of the power trio. You got your bass, you got your guitar, you got your drums, somebody's singing. I think Bachman Turner Overdrive has four members. They don't really count as a power trio. All right, a little bit more about uh, the Ides of March here. During the summer of 1970, Ray Herr was forced to leave the Ides to investigate his status with the local draft board. He changed his name to Ray Scott and performed the short-lived group Orphanage before relocating to Nashville to pursue a career in country music. In 1971, the band released their second album, Common Bond. The feature single was L.A. Goodbye. The song was at number one on regional charts for five weeks, and number two on WCFL Chicago, number five on WLS Chicago, but only 73 on the Billboard Hot 100. In 1972, the band moved to RCA Records and released World Woven. At this point, the band departed from the brass sound, the one song featured a single trumpet, and the album produced no hit singles. In 1973, the Midnight Oil album was released. The band played its final show of their first era at Morton West High School in Berwyn that November. So they were saying goodbye from where it all started. Uh, let's see. I guess that's about enough for the Ides of March. Oh, Uh, Jim Petterick. Oh, this is interesting. Between 1973 and 1990, the Ides of March went on an extended hiatus. 
I'd say that's extended. 17 years is an extended hiatus. What is a hiatus? How long? Is there an official time for a hiatus? That's a weird name too, isn't it? Weird word, hiatus. It sounds like a, an organ in uh, some animal's body, the hiatus. It's like a cross between anus and, and your hiatal, hiatal hernia, hiatus, anyway. Um, so this is really important in terms of the band's history. They went on an extended hiatus during which Jim Petterick co-founded the band Survivor and co-wrote all their platinum hits, including Eye of the Tiger, The Search is Over, High on You, and I Can't Hold Back, all those very memorable Survivor hits. He also began a career of writing collaborations, which resulted in many platinum hits for other artists, most notably Hold On Loosely, a song I actually like, by the way. These are all 38 specials. Uh, Hold On Loosely, Rockin' Into the Night, Caught Up in You, Fantasy Girl, and Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, 38 special. And he wrote Heavy Metal for Sammy Hagar, which I think is in the Heavy Metal soundtrack. So there would not be any Eye of the Tiger in Survivor if it wasn't for the Ides of March. How about that? Let's see. They have been touring. When was their last gig? They'd like to go back and play at Berwyn, uh, West High School in Berwyn, Morton West High School. That's where they're, that's where they're from. Berwyn, Illinois, Morton West High School. And as recently as last year, the Ides of March celebrated over 57 years together and their return to touring after the COVID-19 pandemic with a concert at the Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with well over 4,000 gigs since 1964 and being a musical organization, not a group, but an organization that has always included the original four members. The Eyes of March called the longest touring original band in musical history. That is some fucking longevity right there. I wonder if they have any tour dates. Let's see. That's a weird video though, with all the, uh, all the space shit. I guess it's, um, I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. I guess even in outer space. Eyes of March towards this. Let's see what we got here. They are on tour. If you want to go see the Eyes of March, if you want to shake your ass to vehicle without a mask, hopefully, man, these guys have, I, I hats off to the Eyes of March. I got to have a hats off moment. I'm not going to take my hat off. But if I was going to take my hat off, I'd take it off right here for the Ides of March. Let's pull this up a little bit higher. There's nothing like the Ides of March live. Look at them. Standing together. You got you, you to gotta hand to these dudes. They kept it together. They're, they're, I didn't read of any drug casualties. And there, you can get a VIP package. What's a VIP, VIP package? Okay, so here you go. 427, they kick it off at the City Winery in Chicago. Next stop on 5-1. 
You've got uh, Pierre's Entertainment Center. That's in Fort Wayne. Uh, let's see. Then they cruise on into Annapolis. Ram's Head on stage. Leaf Round in Sellersville. Uh, you could uh, check them out at, at the uh, Sellersville Theater. That's on the 3rd of June. They're doing the Cornerstones of Rock show in De Plaine, Oregon. And then I guess Jim Petterick has his own concert venue called Jim Petterick's World Stage. That's in Naperville, Illinois. So all you people in the heartland of America, if Cheryl Loschiavo is watching, she could go see the Minneapolis, Maryland on the 2nd of June. It's a VIP package. They're also a vehicle for education. These guys are a fucking institution. Look at them. This is what makes America great right here. The Ides of March. They took that name. They took that name and they turned it into a 50 year career. Think about that. I mean, the Ides of March is supposedly a, a, a pretty heavy time, right? Hey, two Brute, a two. That's what they did with uh, Trump in Central Park when they had a version of Julius Caesar with Trump as Caesar. And then, of course, he's getting stabbed by the Senate, which was a, a, a ritual because that's what they planned on doing to Trump, death by a million paper cuts. Ides of March. On your vehicle, baby. All right, what's going on with you guys? Let's check in. What is happening, Chatlandia? What is going on? There's TJ CC Jones. By the way, Fran, I got a I got a compliment on the old megalodon tooth yesterday. JJ, there's a uh, Queen Lisa. What's going on, Queen Lisa? Sony, Kelly B, Empath, Baba Beans. Uh, let's see who else we have here. Ryan, what's going on, Ryan? Double B, Beth Berry, chiming in. There's Tondar. Today, my pronouns are Kool Aid and Man. I love that. Uh, I love this song. The song kicks ass, man. What's going on, Tamara? It is a kick ass song. Good God in heaven, you know, I love you. Hucklebuck 411. Check it in. If you are listening to the uh, podcast, you could be here right now. You could be here right now, hanging out with the coolest chat group on the internet. Miss Nakia just showed up. Alex M., I've heard this song twice today. Good one. Well, I could have played Ides of March by Iron Maiden, but it would be kind of cheating for me because I've never heard that song. And I'm not a huge fan of Iron Maiden. I know it's, it's, uh, doesn't that just sound scandalous? But when I found out that uh, Iron Maiden and Bruce Dickinson were humping for the vaccine, I didn't feel as bad for not liking Iron Maiden. I didn't feel as bad. And it's like, you know what? I didn't waste all my time trying to like their music. Cool album covers. And that whole variation on that skeleton thing from album to album, very cool, very cool concept. It's a band I want to like. 
They're all my, right around my age. I want to like Iron Maiden, but I can't. I'm not a fan of the new wave of British, British heavy metal. I'm just, I'm Saxon, all that shit. I just, I'm just not into it. And I loved heavy metal as a kid growing up. I mean, you know, my God. Who didn't like heavy metal when you were in high school, right, Jasper? Yeah. Jasper's not a big heavy metal fan. Jasper's a jazz cat. He really is. He likes the jazz. Anyway, um, no, I was a big heavy metal guy. There was a heavy metal record. I sought it out in high school until, of course, the Sex Pistols came along. And they became the best fucking heavy metal band ever. Ever. Hey, 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 stop that. Stop that. Don't do that. He's got it out for this rug. He's either scratching it or puking on it. Don't do that. I bought that rug online. It's it's my it, this rug is actually my Big Lebowski rug. Do you remember Big Lebowski? It's not the same rug, but it's my version of that rug. Don't fuck with my rug, man. Hey, man, you're messing with my rug. Was it? Hey, man, you're pissing on my rug. He hasn't done that yet, thank God. Boxcast will allow me to say a word that begins with S and rhymes with Lexi. Section? Section, the word you're looking for? They sound a little like blood, sweat, and tears. That was the scene. That was the, the sound back then. You had blood, sweat, and tears. You had Tower of Power. You had Chicago with the horn section. It was that whole big brass band, Slime Family Stone. They're in there. You had this crossover of the horn section and then the electric guitar and the rhythm section. The sound was very popular then. So Rocky remembers the Shondells when he grew up in Chicago. How about that? We got a Shondell fan, Rocky. You're dating yourself a little bit, right, man? But I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. Uh, let's see. Three Guess who are Three Dog Night? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm a baby in the group, not quite 40. Love the classics, just can't get into that type. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. Uh, FM radio spawned many artists that are today hard to understand today. <laughs> there are a lot of A. Back in the day, I've talked about this before. AM radio had the weirdest fucking hits sometimes. Weirdest hits. Like there was that song by the singing nun. Remember that song? There was the Singing Nun song. What else was there? There was the song by um, the choir from Mill Valley, California. Talk about Mill Valley. That's my weird. There were weird songs. MacArthur Park is Bernie. That's a, that's a uh, Jimmy Webb song, and it was recorded by Richard Harris, of all people. Like, there were just weird hits back then. It, if you had a weird song, sometimes, sometimes, like, do you remember that song, Eris 2? Like, that song was fucking huge. Nobody understood what the fuck they were saying, but it was a huge song. And, and it, I think it was because it sounded deep. And, and if you, I think there was a film of the band playing, and I think the woman who sang that song was really attractive. Might have had something to do with it. Could have had something to do with it. And then you know when they jumped the shark? You know when the shark, shark got jumped? When Jimmy Buffett 
did Wasted Away in Margaritaville. That's when the shark got jumped. Because that was maybe one of those songs that could have showed up as like a, a funky little cult hit if it had been recorded, say, in 1968. But nobody knew what a margarita was in 1968, really. Think about that. The, mar the margarita really doesn't come onto the scene, I think, until maybe the late 70s. I mean, before that, it's all pretty traditional booze drinks. Give me a seven and seven. Give me a Manhattan. I'll have a vodka gimlet. And then there was the Harvey Wallbanger. Uh, let's see. Is Robert's necklace a talisman or just a rock? It's it's a not a rock. This is an ancient artifact that was excavated from a deep, dark, raging, cold river by C.C. Jones, who's in chat today. She was a deep sea diver. She was a, a member of the Jacques Cousteau crew at one point in time. No, she wasn't. I love Jacques Cousteau. Who didn't like Jacques Cousteau when they were a kid? That's fucking cool. Afternoon Delight. I actually knew Suzanne Ciani who produced that song. Suzanne Ciani was a very interesting woman. I'm sure she still is. Suzanne Ciani was one of the innovators of synthesizers. She, she studied electronic music and theory. And, and that little, wow, in Afternoon Delight, that's Suzanne Ciani. She produced that record. Anyway, she was very well known for a song called The Velocity of Love. Lovely lady. Lovely, lovely lady. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? She knows the songs I'm referring to now. Oh, that's funny. What was wrong with Afternoon Delight? I know it's a song that gets a bad rap. I think it has a lot to do with who they were. Because they show up in suspenders, overalls. They have the overall look. And they're all just, you know, it's apple pie. Just apple. I think they come out of the John Denver world. If I'm not mistaken, the Starland vocal band. I never really understood ABBA. Thank you. I've never understood ABBA either. I have never, never, never understood ABBA. Did you, did you play a triangle in the band? Let's see. Anyone else experiencing buffering? Let's see what else do we have here. Uh, Starlight Volk Band actually kind of drove me crazy. It was the only song. It was, it was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. I'd probably know that one due to my older sister being a Maiden fan. Coolest chat. I'm, I'm telling you, man, this is the place to be. Jackie's here. What's going on, Jacqueline? Rosie probably likes to rock out. I think Rosie is, I think Rosie's into goth. She's a goth cat. I think, I think Rosie is into like uh, Dead Can Dance, Mazzy Star. I think that's what Rosie's into. No, Jasper's fine. He's okay. Uh, that rug really tied the room together. I know, right? I'm too sexy for my shirt. This is my, I'm channeling my 1970s 
a Laurel Canyon look. The Fonz. I saw this interview. David Bowie has done so many fucking like talk shows and interviews. The, the, the internet is a wash. YouTube is a wash with David Bowie performances. And there's one which is really cool. He, he does, um, I think he does a version of Stay with that, that uh, Thin White Duke band with uh, George Murray, Dennis Davies, Carlos Salomar, Roger Powell, and Earl Slick on guitar. And he's on the Dinah Shore show. He's on the Dino fucking sure show and he's great. And he's, I mean, he's coked out of his head. That's his like big Coke phase. And, um, Henry Winkler is there. He's fu so fucking annoying. He's trying to be really hip and really cool and talk about how great David Bowie is. And Bowie's actually very complimentary. He likes the fawns. Bowie is very aware of culture, by the way. He knows what's going on all the time. Jimmy Buffett, huge in the Southeast. I make a point to go to Buffett's whenever possible. Of course, when Hawaii was closed, buffet. Uh, yes. Friday is always for Jimmy Buffett. And won't unto those that don't even know. I, I am not a, I'm not a parrot head, but feel free. I love Jacques Cousteau. Started my interest in diving. See? Jacques Cousteau was cool, man. I love those Jacques Cousteau specials on TV. It's like, didn't you just want to be on the boat with those guys? His sons, they all got along so well. <clears throat> they were in, like, really warm places. They were diving in really warm locales. When I was a kid, I, I really wanted to be a, a scuba diver. I don't think I can do it now. The whole idea of breathing underwater, it'd be too claustrophobic. But as a kid, I really wanted to do that. But who didn't want to, who didn't like Jacques Cousteau? So there, there was this theory that Jacques Cousteau was um, like anti-Semitic or something. I read that somewhere. I don't think he was though. The pink squirrel, the gold Cadillac for the ladies. You know, the world is any, but we're having a good time this morning. ABBA, I'm just, oh, you liked the show yesterday? Oh, thank you, Wendy. Kylie had a Mazzy star face. I relate to Rosie. <laughs> That's good. We got, we got some uh, goth cats. Never been a parrothead either. You, you know what? Uh, you, I'm going to tip my cat to, cap to you if you're a parrothead. Okay, so I'll tell you a little story. It's story time, boys and girls. As some of you might know, I got married in Las Vegas. One of my marriages. I got married in Las Vegas. And I, I knew my fiance for, I think, what, all of about three and a half weeks, maybe? <laughs> Might have been a little longer, but not much. Somewhere between three and a half and five and a half weeks. I'd say four and a half weeks, but that would be a cliche. So we didn't uh, know each other all that well. But that didn't stop us for tying the knot and having a moment of destiny in Las Vegas. And it was on the Veterans Day weekend of the year 2002. 
And while we were in Las Vegas, there was a Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett concert going on. And they, a lot of the uh, parrot heads were at our hotel. And um, we get on the, the bus, I think, from the hotel to take us downtown in one of the casinos. So all these parrot heads were on. Some of them were quite young, by the way, which was interesting. Anyway, they, uh, they asked uh, myself and my prospective bride, who was, n- was not my perspe- prospective bride at that point. That kind of evolved over the course of the next 48 hours. And um, this uh, young guy says, are you here for Buffett? I said, no, we're here for the buffet. Which was kind of the buffet of love. We had seconds and thirds at the buffet of love. That marriage lasted a Saturn cycle, seven years, or a quarter of a Saturn cycle. And it bore the fruit of my son. So something great came out of that marriage. A happy birthday, mom. Speaking of women, today's my mother's birthday. Yes, she was born on the Ides of March. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. I was fucking around with... Um, this, this uh, picture of Zelensky yesterday. I just, I like, I like hacking reality. It's, it's very empowering. That's where the whole meme uh, culture, meme world comes out of. It's about hacking reality. So I, uh, I doctored this photo a little bit. Because Zelensky gave this very stirring speech about how the Russians need to surrender. I added a few little extra details to the photo and I posted it on my Twitter feed and I linked to the actual story. I thought that they were uh, creative embellishments. And I'm sure if you're looking at the uh, screen right now, you'll see what I've creatively added and embellished. It's the only way that we can really stay sane. Yeah, a little shit. I'm not even going to play a speech. So, what do I want to talk about today? There's a lot of things I want to talk about, obviously. But there are a couple of things I want to focus on. Not the Ides of March, although I should probably call my mother for her birthday. What time is it? 7.46. I'll wait till 10 o'clock. It'll be 8 o'clock, Calfrey. I'll call my mother. You can all wish my mother a uh, happy birthday. Jasper, you want to wish uh, my mom a happy birthday? My mother is not really into pets, but when she comes here, she can't, she can't evade the cat thing. So my cats will climb up on her lap. <laughs> And she doesn't know what to do. It makes her nervous. She sits there with her book, reads her book while the cats are on her lap. She eventually uh, relaxes a little bit into it. 
So I got some really uh, interesting comments on my uh, show from yesterday, which I carved out the, 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 the main piece about the, uh, the trial of America. I got a, I got some comments. Some people thought it was pertinent. Other people thought it was not what's going to happen. Uh, other people were like, you know, can we, can we step in front of this freight train and stop it? And I would say that the answer to the latter question is yes, you can stop it or you can do what you can in your own way and your own power to stop it. And that's going to be internal. You have to internally uh, shift things inside of yourself. You have to learn how to be free to the best of your ability. Because everything that they're creating is the, the, the invisible cage that sets you up into the, uh, the yoke of uh, servility and, and uh, captivity. This is, this, is, this is what's going on. They're doing everything they can in their power to create the invisible cage. And it's, it's not great. The, uh, the, the mid-returns here are not great. Uh, we have a member of uh, the 11th House group uh, on Telegram, uh, Georgina, who lives in Ireland, and she's very concerned about the fact that Ireland has basically said, you don't own your house anymore. We can, we can take your house from you. And especially if we have refugees, you don't have to, we, we can basically pull your property for the greater good. That's not good. And that's where they want to essentially, you, you know, move the rest of the world. Unless of course you happen to be part of the elite class, which case nobody will take your place from you. Right, Jasper? Yeah. So the, the, the key to this is you have to untangle your knots. And uh, if it's a Gordian knot that you're uh, tied and tethered to, then just hack the fucker. Whatever is keeping you down, just hack it. Cut it away from it, right? Just cut it away. That's the only way that we can deal with what we're dealing with at that level, because it's internal. It's what you can do for yourself. Because you're, you're not going to be able to get on the phone and uh, call your local representative and tell them to use the, the, the might of their influence and power in their pen. That's not really going to happen. Unless you have a lot of money, in which case it might be beholden to you. They might do something. Chances are they won't, though. So you've got to change something internally. That's important. Whatever you can do internally to do that. Now, in the case of human design, there's probably a good percentage of you out there that are generators. And you have the easiest path to changing and transforming your conditions. You respond. You simply have to respond to the conditions of your life. That's pretty cool. Just respond. 
So if you don't like how things are in your life, make changes to it, respond to the uh, conditions. Simple, really simple. If you're a projector, that's a little bit more difficult. You have to be able to wait for the invitation, which is what I have to do. I have to wait for the invitation and uh, make myself somebody who's invitable. And if, and if I'm invitable, people will invite me. Right, Jasper? I think Jasper is a projector. You're a projector, aren't you? I think you are. He's such a funny cat. So you got to change something internally. That's how we deal with the world. The external uh, mind forge manacles, as William Blake would call it, of our world. And you do that by moving from experience into imagination. And using your imagination and your creativity to unlock the, the higher keys of your consciousness and what it is to be a multidimensional human. And what you do from that place is up to you. There are many, 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 many different things that you can do. You can plant a garden. You can help people. You can heal your body. You can heal your mind. You can be disruptive. You can be uh, playful. You can, you can practice the highest degree of spirituality, which is forgiveness with complete and total awareness, which isn't always easy. Right? That's, that's one of the harder lessons, but you can do that. If you can do that, then nothing will touch you. I had to practice that yesterday with the AAA driver. Fucking AAA. It's not AAA. It's the company that that has a AAA contract in Kerrville. Without a doubt, this happens. All, it's happened every single time I've called them to get a tow. And so I've got this truck that I've been working on for a long time, trying to finish it off. First, it stopped. It stopped stopping. The brakes just stopped. Okay, well. Then we, we, we rented a dolly. We're going to put it on my other car and drive it down the road to uh, the, the mechanics down the road. Started it up and it died. Yeah, it won't start. So I have this truck. It's an old truck, 77 Ford. And I put all this money into it. And now it won't start. And it also won't stop. So in order to get it to the mechanic, I had to call AAA. And there's this place called... Fat boys towing. That should be right there. That should be a, a sign who you're dealing with. Fat boys towing. So I've called them at least three or four times before. Three minimum, four maximum. Every single time, they're fucking late. Like, I'm not talking about an hour late, hour and a half late, two hours. I'm talking like six hours late. One time they were so late that I had to cancel and try it again the next day. So technically they were 24 hours late. Same shit happened last week. Called them up. Waited, 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 waited. Then I had to leave. 
I think I called them around 10.30. I got a call around 4 o'clock telling me that they were sorry, uh, but their driver had another thing. It was, it was a um, service call that turned into a tow. I can't tell you how many times they've told me that. And the woman who is their dispatch operator sounds like she's completely traumatized. She's one of these people that apologizes for everything. Uh, I wonder why, because it's because their, their service absolutely fucking sucks. So finally, this guy, I called him yesterday at 12.30, comes up around 6.45. And then he takes my truck down the road. Of course, they're not there, so I can't talk to them. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, I got to be really conscious about not taking my animus out on this guy. He's, he's just a tow truck driver. That's all he is. That is all he is. He's just a tow truck driver. So I had to get the forgiveness really good. It's not like, you, you know, somebody, you know, strung Jasper up outside and hung them from my tree. And I knew who that person was. That'd be harder. It'd be harder to forgive that person. But working on the tow truck driver yesterday was practice. Not that anybody's going to string you up. I promise that's not going to happen. I will protect you. I will protect you to the very end. Even though you steal Rosie's food every day. I have to lock them in this room now. I have these, these glass doors. They're like... They separate the room. I have to put them in this room and watch them while Rosie eats because they'll steal her food. So you got to change yourself on the inside. That's You have to change yourself on the inside. You have to affirm and decree next level up, whatever that is for you. And if you're a generator, all you got to do is respond. It's the beauty of it. Just respond to your life situation. I got a good story, really good story. So um, Queen Lisa, who's in the uh, chat room today, I, I did a, a reading for her uh, husband, King Pat, probably about a month ago. So one of the things that we got into with the reading was, you know, maybe a shift that Pat wanted to make in his life. And we talked about it, went, to, went into his chart. Man, if this was a really, a really great reading. I have to say, because it's really good when me and the client are, are, are really connecting with the material, the chart, you know, their um, evolution. To, that's when I love my job. And I love my job 100% of the time. The only time I don't love my job is when I get way behind on emails and booking people. That part I don't like at all. And I'm, and I'm desperately trying to get caught up. But the part where I actually sit down and work with somebody, it's to me, it's one of the best jobs that I could ever have. Because it, it allows me to have contact with another human. It feels meaningful for me. They cert I think they're getting something out of it. And, um, you know, I, it, 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 it's not a typical gig. Not everybody, uh, there's, there's astrologers out there. It's not, it's not like I'm fucking special or anything. But I enjoy what I do. I think I'm good at what I do. And for me, that's how I change the world. 
And I change the world a little bit at a time when I do this. For me, this is therapy. This is to me, this is this is my uh this is this is my play in a lot of ways, but it's a very serious play. And and I think it's helpful for some of you as well. We get to hang out together and de-stress a little bit, sometimes have fun, um, sometimes get very serious if we need to. So these are the things that you can do. It's funny, I was watching uh, Pockets of the Future. Who I like, I like that guy's channel. Uh, I think he's got, I think he's got a good heart. Although he's a, he's funny though. I have to say that guy's funny because he made a bunch of uh, videos about uh, Bob Saget and um, was it uh, Full House or I think it's, is that called show Full House? Is there Fuller House? Anyway, he did a whole series of videos about them way back in the day, and he was keen in on the fact that. There was a lot of weird shit and trauma and very inappropriate behavior going on on that show. And he talked about it a lot. And he was you know, on the Dave Coulier and the John Stamos, the Olsen twins, uh, Bob Saget thing. He was in on it a long time ago. And he, and he got a lot of views out of that. He, he built his channel, I think, on a lot of his more celebrity-driven breakdowns. And then when Bob Saget died, he did one video and then he did another video and he said he wasn't going to do any more videos about Bob Saget, but that wasn't really true. So he's funny that way. He's, it's like he'll go to the well because he knows that there's something in the well. He gets views out of the well, but he, I think it also connects him with popular culture, which I think he likes, but he was, um, he was talking about uh, truthers on his last video. He does a lot of stuff with the Kardashians and Kanye. I think he likes Kanye. I actually like Kanye too. Kanye's, whatever's going on with Kanye, it's almost always interesting, even if he is fucking nuts. Um, but he was uh, talking about uh, adrenochrome and how the whole adrenochrome thing was kind of a ruse that the Q people got played, that they, as a result of getting played, it made talking about the truth, um, ridiculous, like a cliche. I think there's some truth to that, by the way. I do. And the Q thing was like a total setup from Pizzagate uh, and uh, Comet Ping Pong uh, to uh, Sandy Hook to um, the whole uh, child abduction thing, adrenochrome, you know, and how they essentially exploited that and exploited people's tendency to latch onto those things as being this sort of looking for cosmology for truth. And then they just tore it all down with January 6th and Q and people like Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell, right? That's when it all, they, they just burned it down. It was like the limited hang was over. They're going to burn it down at this point. And they're, and, you're, and all these people are going to be trapped inside. And he talked about that and he was very dismissive of the whole adrenochrome thing. And I'm like, you can't really be all that dismissive of it. I think because it's, a, it's, and he said, well, you can't really comment on things unless you've actually seen them. 
I get it. But if, if you are, have witnessed an adrenochrome ritual, you're not commenting on it. Trust me. You're either in the club or you are, are in fear of your life because you're going to be commenting on the adrenochrome rituals. So I did leave a comment on his YouTube page and I like his channel. I think he's, I think he does a good job. I think he's got a good sense of humor. I think he laughs at his own jokes a bit too much. I don't know if that's a nervous laugh. I don't know what's going on with that, but he laughs at his own jokes. It's the Virgo in me. I'm sorry, but kind of a critic sometimes. But uh, the adrenochrome thing is a thing. And here's how I know it's a thing. In the movie and the book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Hunter S. Thompson talks about adrenochrome. And there's a scene in the movie where Johnny Depp does adrenochrome. After three days of just being out of his mind on LSD and booze and, you know, the, the war chest of pharmacopoeia that Hunter S. Thompson brings with him to Las Vegas. So it's in the book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and it's in the movie. So it made the movie. It's a thing. Now, one could say, well, he's just taking creative license with it. So here's what I have to say to that. A number of years ago, I was at a festival in Santa Rosa called the Health and Harmony Festival. I saw some good bands. I, I attended numerous years. Even got to go backstage a number of times. I have a picture of me, my son, Danny Glover in Taj Mahal. We're all Actually, no, I take that back. It's me, my son, and Danny Glover. Taj Mahal took the picture with my cell phone. And I look like a fat fuck. Total fat fuck. It's on my Facebook page. I wonder if I, wonder if I could find it. Anyway, I'm at this uh, festival, and we're walking out of this festival. I'm not sure it was the same. It might have been the same festival. I met Bruce Lipton backstage one time as well. He was cool. I like Bruce Lipton. In fact, I got him on my show because we connected. Bruce Lipton and I connected. Man, I have been on, on Facebook in a long time. Where's my pictures? They moved everything around on Facebook. There's Leon Luis on Facebook, Meredith Swain, Janine, Florent. I should spend more time on Facebook. I was crushing Facebook a long time ago. Where's that picture? Anyway, I met this uh, this PI, and this is what I this is what I talked to. Um, or left on the comments page there, and uh, the PI handed me this piece of paper. We're walking out, and I didn't know he was a PI. I found out after handing me the piece of paper, and there's a picture of Polly Kloss, and there's all this text about Polly Kloss. Um, so I'd followed the Polly Kloss thing. And she was the uh, young woman who got abducted by Richard Allen Davis. Weird, 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 weird fucking story. 
with her dad, Mark Kloss, the, the man of steel, the man with no emotions. You never heard or saw Polly's mother. I've talked about this case many times. So I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, okay, so I know something really weird went on here. I followed Mark Kloss, his, his, uh, his response to his daughter being abducted and missing was just off. He never once had any kind of like nervousness or grief or he just had hard steel, not even emotion, just hard steel. That's what, that's how he came across. And the minute I saw him, I'm like, this guy is not congruent with whatever's going on with this girl. He's just not congruent. And I've got a very, very, very good, highly attuned bullshit detector. So I learned a few other things over the ensuing years, but you're, you're kind of passing somebody and you got your, your wife and your kid with you. And it's like, come on, we got to go. And I'm, I'm trying to talk to this guy. And of course, she doesn't want to hear anything about this. So I, I said, so what, what really went on there? And he told me very quickly what happened with Polly Kloss. This is him, private investigator in the uh, Santa Rosa area. And he said that uh, Polly had been abducted and taken to the Bohemian Grove, which is not far from there. And how do I put this without being so graphic that uh, it um, shocks you and maybe even traumatizes you? Let's just say that there were three days of doing uh, unspeakable things to Polly Kloss, according to this PI. And they were actually... Um, live streaming it while it happened. But you had to be in on the live stream. And when I say live stream, this is in the 90s. So it was it was probably some kind of a satellite uplink. And you it was private viewing and you had to pay money for this. This is what he told in passing. This is what he told me. I must I probably talked to him for about three or four minutes max but this is what he passed on to me. And he said that the cameraman for that event was Hunter S. Thompson. Now, I had looked into this and there is a big cookie crumb trail that Hunter S. Thompson is indeed the videographer for a number of these rituals and events. So, I don't have to have gone to that place. I, I didn't need to go to witness an adrenochrome ceremony. What I did is I actually had a conversation with a private investigator that spent a great deal of time pulling back the covers on this thing and drilling down and figuring out what happened. And then you add Hunter S. Thompson as the videographer and Hunter S. Thompson with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, both the movie and the book, Adrenochrome being the thing that brings them together, and it's a thing. You don't have to be there. You, you don't have to be there. And I get where he's coming from because I, there's, you know, a lot of stuff. And, you know, God bless the people who 
you know, bless the beasts and the children. Big hearts, but that's where they get into people. They get into them with the, ch the child thing, whether it's adrenochrome, whether it's tunnels, whether it's the border, whether it's kids in cages, whether it's babies being blown up in incubators by bad men from fill in the blank country. That's how they get to people. It's called emotional currency. Anyway, I like the guy show. What's his name? Gabriel or something like that. I like pockets of the future. Does a good job. I wish I could find that picture. I, you, I used to be able to navigate on, but they just fucking changed everything on Facebook memories, blood donations. Man, they got all kinds of shit on Facebook. I used to play uh, World Series of Poker Hold'em on Facebook or No Limits Texas Hold'em. God, I was addicted to that. I had millions of dollars in chips. Let's see what do we have here. It's memories. Is that pictures? Three years ago. Hey, it's the same photo from three years ago. How about that? Off Planet Radio. Ah, the good old days. All the good old days. There I am with no ears. There's Emily. There's Randy. Seven years ago. These are all my Ides of March days. Yeah, that was, this is my little joke. The new color for Notre Dame's basketball team, Opus Dayglo. This is funny going back through. Uh, got some Fukushima action there. Look at that. Western Capricorn, beast of burden. Western Cancer, least of burden. <laughs> I don't know what... It Okay, this is memories. The memory hole of Facebook. God, I haven't been here in a long time. How do I get to pictures? You guys get to see my Facebook page now. It's a long time ago. Let's see. Oh, photos. Here we go. It's right there. Okay, I, now I'm obsessed with finding this photo of me and uh, here. I, I, I may have some photos on there that might be. Not all my photos on Facebook are they're fine. There's nothing there that's not uh, that I would that I, I wouldn't be ashamed of. Let's see. This is my uh, my Photoshop days. All right, what do we have here? Jesse Smollett. Okay. Where is that photo? Man, I got a lot of photos here. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. This was my memery stage. I think I wasn't really into making memes, but I was definitely into putting things together. God, I was active on Facebook. Now, this was a weird photo right here. I'll share it with you guys. 
So this is uh, Jared Kushner. And I put this filter, this Photoshop filter on him. And does he look like a fucking demon? Look at him. Now, I didn't do anything to manipulate that. I just put, there's a, there's a filter on Photoshop. It's an effect. And I just stuck that on the, on the picture. If you're, if you're listening, he looks like a fucking demon. Am I right? Look at that. Wow. That's definitely a, uh, a case for 666. Oh my God, that was so funny. This is another, this is another funny photo. <laughs> I'm sorry, today's show's a little bit random. I will get to something important. But you, so I'm going to show you how they used to fuck with you with movies a long time ago. This is an Errol, Errol Flynn movie. It's a scene from an Errol Flynn movie called Captain Blood. And he plays a, a, a pirate. He actually plays a doctor. He plays a doctor who gets conscripted to Devil's Island or some fucking place like that. Then he becomes a pirate. Anyway, he I think, who is this Olivia de Havilland? That's Olivia de Havilland on a horse, and she he's going to seduce her, right? But look at what's going on here. Do you think that that is just the, the, the design of the uh, saddle? I don't think so. Movies <laughs> have always had a not-so-subliminal uh, that's what I'm looking for. A not so subliminal undercurrent running through them. And this is one of those not so subliminal moments. So if you're listening, it's Errol Flynn and he's on a horse. And the, he's on the saddle of the horse. And there's this thing that's sticking up from the saddle that looks like an enormous mushroom cock, okay? That's what it looks like. And his name is Captain Blood. Now, there's a weird side piece to this story in this movie, or this movie. There's a young guy who plays one of Captain Blood's men in the story, who's another Englishman. He winds up going to Hollywood, just like Errol Flynn does, and a bunch of weird shit happens to him, and he commits suicide. And turns out he's, you know, queer. And I just, it's like a whole strange world that's connected to Errol Flynn, who's one of the most bizarre characters in Hollywood. He's friends with L. Ron Hubbard. He's probably a spy. Um, I think he's bisexual. Um, what else? He might be a thalamite. Like Errol Flynn is one of the weirdest characters in the history of Hollywood. Very strange guy. Um, friends with Ian Fleming, you know, all, they're, and they're all, you know, occultists. And Errol Flynn was definitely an occultist. It's a funny picture, isn't it? All right, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still on the hunt. I am still on the hunt for that picture. Oh, this picture uh, got me a ban for a while from Facebook. I think I got banned for, and they went back through all my pictures and like, I hadn't been on Facebook in, 
in years. That got me banned. <laughs> uh, again, if you're listening, it's uh, David Hogg dressed up as a little Nazi. How's that pillow company coming, David? David Hogg was the, uh, he was in my crosshairs for a long time. Okay, I'm still looking for that picture of my kid. I'm going to find it. It's happening. It'll be there. Oh, there's a picture of Regina Meredith. I got a lot of pictures of Regina. All right, so here's me as a kid. Sorry, I'm taking you down memory lane now. It is my mother's birthday. I should call her. Here's me as a kid. I guess this is all about me today. So this was my uh, my first legitimate baseball team that I was on. And this guy right here was my buddy. That was Eric Anderson. I loved Eric. We hung out together. Um, we used to go over to his house. He's just the coolest guy. And eventually, we he moved away from the area that I lived in. But eventually, he moved back. And when he moved back, he was a stoner and totally into progressive rock. Like he was a total progressive rockhead. And then I lost touch with him. And then one night I'm in my twenties and I'm at a talking heads concert in San Francisco and I run into him again, but he was, he was a great, he was a great guy. Now this is uh, Dick Rumminger. He was my coach and I learned a lot from him. He was a great guy. Um, no matter how good you were you, on this team, uh, you played three innings. That was it. You sat for three, you played for three. Something along those lines. I think that's how it worked. Or you sat for two and played for four. I forget how. But you sat on the bench. And no matter how good you were. And by the way, I was the best player on that team. I even remember some of these kids' names. That's so funny. That's Danny Baca right there. Um, and he had three of his, two of his kids on this team. Anyway, uh, Dick Rumminger was a great guy. He was such a fair coach. He was such a fair coach. And, um, this guy's name was Luke. I forget his last name. He was a good dude too. I like these guys. So one time I was playing shortstop. Look at me. What a dork. One time I was playing shortstop and, um, I knew, I knew what to do in every play. I was like, I would figure out everything that everybody on the field would be engaged in. If there was a runner on base, I knew exactly what to do, but I knew what everybody else needed to do too. And I played shortstop. But I wouldn't call it out to them, but I knew in my head. I would do the math in my head. So there was this guy, he was on second base, there was no runner on first. If there had been a runner on first, I just would have tagged second. So in my head, I'm thinking, if the ball is hit to me, I'm going to pick up the ball. And if the runner is dumb enough to run towards third base, I'm going to tag the runner. And then I'm going to throw the batter out. And I used to swear a lot. So in my head, I probably said, I'm going to throw that son of a bitch out. And that's exactly what happened. 
got the ball, tagged the runner, threw a freaking strike to Eric Anderson, and it drops out of his glove. I was so fucking pissed. Dick Rumminger benched me. Best thing he could have ever done was he benched me. That's good coaching right there. I had no idea that this show was going to go in this direction. But somehow that's how these things go. That's how these things unfold. Okay, I'm still looking for that picture. I got some good pictures on here, man. Okay, so I'm going to give you another another baseball picture. This is... Uh, this is me and my kid and Mike. This was from when I was living in uh, Austin and Oak Hill, and we won the league championship that night. Now, to me, that was one of the best moments of my life. We had such a kick-ass team. This game went into deep, deep, deep extra innings. The, the manager of the other team, whom I knew, and when, he, when his kid played for my team, I liked the guy. As the manager of the other team, he was kind of an asshole. So I was really happy to beat that team. My kid looks a little Chinese there, doesn't he? He looks Russian. Look at him. That was a great moment. Mike, super guy. A couple of Pisces there. That was great. That was it, man. That was my uh, that was my Jim Brown moment. After that, I, re I retired from coaching. Okay. Oh, this is pretty cool. I got some stuff in here. I'm still trying to find that photo uh, with me and um, and Danny Glover, my kid. Let's see if I can find it. Still looking. All these, I should download these photos before the internet goes away. So you got a Kanye photo. <laughs> I'm in a bad, I'm in a, I'm not in a bad mood today, but I'm in a, uh, rascally mood today, I would say. I'm still trying to find that photo. How much time do I have left here? Facebook is taking forever to load. Now it's gone. Okay, we got videos, photos. All right. If I find it, I'll, I'll show it tomorrow. Why don't we call my mother? Let's give my mother a call. Where is she? Let's wish her a happy birthday. Let's see. There we go. See if she answers. She may be sleeping in. It is her birthday. 
Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm just getting ready to leave to get my nails done. Oh, well, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So. You know, every I, year is a victory, you know. <laughs> I would agree with that. That's the way I look at it, you know? So just and, j just to let you know, for full disclosure, um, I'm live on my show, and, and, and I'm broadcasting your happy birthday call to everybody. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. I appreciate that, and uh, have a good show, and I'm off to Danville. Well, so is there anything you want to you wanna share with uh, the Internet and the world today? What is this? What is the secret, Mom? What is the secret to your longevity and happiness? Um, well, just trying to be nice, do things for people, and uh, you know, continue the work that I do at my church. You know, and just have a positive attitude. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I look at it. Anyway, I'm going to have to get going, okay? All right, Mom. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. So there you go. The keys to happiness. God, I'm still trying to find that, that photo. Photos of me. Where are they? Facebook, then your photo loading system is not good. My photos. What about my photos? They're all in there. Okay, so I guess we're uh, we're winding things down here today. Uh, tomorrow, I will not have a show tomorrow. Unfortunately, or for it depends. Maybe you want a break from me. Um. Because I'll be traveling. But I will have a show on Thursday. I will have a show on Thursday. And I'll definitely have a show on Friday. We're going to be doing a Friday forecast from spring break. Port Aransas. That's going to be a trip. You're going to beat uh, Gen Z in all of their... Uh, delight in glory. It's going to be a heavy dose of uh, teenage rebellion and uh, testosterone. Should be good. Should be fun. I'm still looking for that picture. I know it's here somewhere. Okay. Just give me just give me one more minute. I wanted to talk about the neocons today. Um, Potterts. I'll talk about it on Thursday. Basically, he's taking a victory lap. He's taking a victory lap for the uh, proving that Russia was a menace and that the neocons were right all along. But I'm not going to do that today. We're going to try and keep it upbeat today. Upbeat versus beat up. How about that? 
upbeat versus beat up. Okay, if I find that picture, I'll, I'll grab it. And oh, here, I got one more for you right here. It's not the, it's not the picture I'm looking for. Where are all my old pictures? Come on, Facebook. Damn. It's like they're gone. Okay, one more picture. Uh, this is my uh, this is my old man who was married to my mother. So this is uh, kind of a dust bowl picture. And uh, that's my father when he was probably around 12 years old. And that is my great-grandmother. And her name was Big Mama. And you can tell why her name was Big Mama. Because she was a wide load. She was a very wide load. I don't know where that is. I'm assuming maybe it's somewhere in Southern California. But it reeks of Steinbeck in a lot of ways. So, all right. Family affair. Thanks for being here. Uh, remember, you change the world one thought at a time, one act at a time, one breath at a time. And affirm and decree your purpose on this planet because you matter. You count. And when you put that into action, when you actualize your energy and you make the better world, the world a better place for you and for other people, it's a win-win. It's a total win-win. Then the world has the opportunity to change. How you do it, that's up to you. You got a big, wide aperture in order to make that happen. Okay. I'm out of here. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for playing around, being a little bit lighthearted and having some fun. Uh, because we live in heavy times and every now and then we have to have a little levity to deal with the gravity. Should I put in the video? By the way, I caught a little heat for saying that Jen Saki was a shrimp. I apologize for that. Should we do this uh, Ides of March by Iron Maiden? Ah, I can't, I can't go there. I just can't listen to Iron fucking Maiden. Can't do it. Um, there's a bunch of other artists. Ides of March, Miles Kennedy. I think he's one of those heavy metal singers. The band, Ides of March band, what is that? Is there a band called the Ides of March? No, it's it's uh, the band Ides of March. Sorry, vehicle is what I was thinking of. Um, it's so funny that these guys are still around. Very, very funny. Okay, thanks for being here. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. We'll be back on uh, Thursday, broadcasting to you live from spring break 
in Port Aransas, Texas. On Thursday, it'll just be me. On Friday, it'll be me and the boys. You don't want to miss that show. I can guarantee you that. You're going to get face-to-face with the, uh, the youth of America, the next generation. You'll get to catch their drift. All right. Use your head to discern what's real. Your heart to what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care. For myself, Jasper, and Rosie, have a great Ides of March. Bye for now.